Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. Well, unshakable, that's what we're talking about. I hope you got your book. We have those available out there, and uh, you might want to buy one and then give one uh, to someone. Uh, Great true story. Uh, Pastor Tim is out this week for his birthday, and he and his wife Brenda were at the pool at the hotel, and Brenda, there's a lady sitting beside her reading, and uh, she heard, give your book to that lady. She thought it was Pastor Tim, so she looked, and he wasn't there. And uh, she started, continued to read her book, and the voice came again, why don't you give your book to that lady there? So she looked over, and the lady was getting ready to put on her, uh, her, her um, cover up from, uh, to leave the pool. And last service, I said putting her top on. I got to make sure I get that clear. <laughs> her cover up, her cover up. And so... Brenda went over to her and said, man, this may really sound crazy, and, uh, but uh, our church is doing this series, Unshakable, and our pastor wrote the foreword to this book, and I'd like to give you my, my book. I think you would like it. So Brenda went back and sat down, and she noticed the lady didn't get up and leave. She turned to the last chapter, and she began reading the last chapter on facing the death of people that you love with strength. And the lady came over to her, and she was crying, and she said to Brenda, how did, how, did, how did you know? She said, what do you mean? How did you know I just had a death in my family this week? And that last chapter helped me and gave me hope, and I'm going to love this book. Isn't that interesting how God does things? Yeah, amen, amen. And last, last Sunday, thank you for all that you did to help Sunday Fun Day be a success. We had 900 people on the campus last Sunday. Isn't that awesome? We had 60 first-time guests. 60, 6, oh. We had 17 people. 17 people make a decision for Christ. And then you saw all the people that were baptized just a minute ago, right? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, if you got your Bible, let's jump in today. If you got your Bible, let's hold it up. Your iPhone, your iPad, your eyeballs, whatever you got, let's say it together. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the Word. I confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient. I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, We thank you today for these marvelous testimonies of those who were baptized today. And we just honor you, Lord, and we thank you for your presence. We just sense your presence. And now as we look into your word, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll do what I can't do. You take the word and apply it to our life. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would anoint the words. Let me say what you want me to say. Keep me from saying things I shouldn't say. And bring illumination and light from your word into our heart today. Encourage your people. Anyone here today or watching online that has never made a decision to follow you, let today be that day in Jesus' name. Well, today we're going to continue in this series, Unshakable. And today we're going to talk about about with doubt. Uh, You know, getting in a struggle with with doubt. We're calling it about 
with doubt. And you might want to read chapter 9 in the book because it'll help you. But as we start off, let me ask you a question. Make sure that I'm in the right place today. Have you ever read a book on seven steps to have a great marriage or seven steps for financial security or seven steps for whatever that somebody used and you read those seven steps and you used those seven steps but they didn't work in your life? Anybody ever like that? How about this? Anybody ever prayed for a miracle because somebody said you can pray for a miracle and believe and you, you didn't get that miracle? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody ever... Uh, hear a story of healing from cancer like I shared with you last week and then you're believing for somebody in your family and you pray for them in the same way for healing but instead of being healed they, they die anybody ever pray like this you pray for someone that uh, is in, under addiction and man they just they're just wasting their life and you pray and you believe that God's gonna set them free but it seems like instead of being set free they just get deeper or maybe in your marriage, you're praying for your spouse to not pull away from you, but to love you greater. And, uh, and they're, they're in the midst of having an affair, and you're praying, oh, God, please, don't let that D word happen. Don't let the divorce. But yet, you still have gone through a divorce, and you prayed the prayer, but the answer didn't come. Well, let me ask you, let me just... Let me bring it down to something that you, you almost, for some of you, when I ask this question, you're going to almost feel like you should gasp because this is a question that nobody, nobody should ever ask, but it's a question we should ask. Have you ever felt like that God let you down? Thank you for your honesty. I heard that, yes. I, I didn't say, have you ever, has God ever let you down? I didn't say that. I said, have you ever felt like God let you down? That you were praying the prayer. You were doing the right things. But yet you just, God, how, how could that be? I, I love that person so much. And how could you let everything go? So I want to talk today just very raw and real about a subject that we don't often talk about. In church world, and especially in a, in, a, in a place that we have such great faith, we're faith people, right? We believe in healing, we believe in deliverance, we believe in miracles, we believe in that. Do you believe in that? But yet, in the midst of that, I'm going to tell you, there are sometimes we pray a prayer, and that prayer is not answered the way that we think that it should be answered. And so today, I just want to wade in on that. I just want to talk real about that today, because you see, it's easy to have faith when all of our prayers are being answered, right? It's easy to have faith when everything is going great. You know, we're on Christian TV, we're writing books, you know, I, I had this situation in my life and I asked God and God did this and it's wonderful and everybody's saying, I'm going to sign up and I'm going to get that book. But nobody likes to read a book where somebody said, I prayed, nothing happened, buy my book. It, isn't that where a lot of us are this morning? There are situations in our life today, if we'd be real and honest, that we'd say, I've been praying about this, and I've asked God, but the answer hasn't come. So I want to talk about that today, because I think there's a picture of that. Here, here's, the, here's the bottom line. When, when we allow doubt to creep in and to 
take the focal point in our life, then we become shakable. But when we let, when doubt comes and we use faith, we can be unshakable. Here's the first fill-in if you want to fill in, if you're taking notes. When you have a bout with doubt, that doubt can either shake your faith or develop your faith. Say it with me. A bout with doubt will either shake your faith or develop your faith. Faith, here's the next fill-in, faith is not the absence of doubt. Sometimes, you know, I, somebody shared with me this week, because I said last week I was going to talk about this today, and I said it's all right if there's doubt in your life, and that's not the absence of faith. That doesn't mean you don't have faith. Faith is not the absence of doubt. It's the means of overcoming doubt. Doubt is not meant to uh, cause us to be shakable and lose our stance with God, but it's to cause us to really come to grips with faith. Remember I said last week, I hope you're wearing your rubber bands. I gave everybody a rubber band last week. I said faith is like a rubber band. It's never really good until it's stretched, and when it's stretched, it comes into its fullness. So I, so I hope you understand what I'm talking about today is those days that come into our life when it seems like that God is not answering our prayers and we have to stretch our faith because guess what? We're not going to compromise. We're not going to give up, but we're going to hold strong. Let me have your Bible. Turn with me to John chapter 6, uh, beginning at verse 17. And I want to uh, talk a little bit about a man in the Bible that went through a bout with doubt, went through a time in which that, you know, it's one thing when we first become a believer, we say, Man, I believe God, and God's got me in all of this. And then life happens, and then we get to the place, and we say, you know, is, I think there may be something wrong in my life because I, I, I'm praying the same prayer that somebody else prayed, and I'm not, I'm not seeing that answer in my life. Remember John the Baptist? He was Jesus' cousin. John the Baptist, uh, out in the open, he loved being out in the open, he didn't like to be inside. You know, he ate uh, um, grasshoppers and bumblebees and honey and locusts and all that stuff, remember? And uh, he had camel hair. That's what he wore. And, you know, he's really a, a rough guy out, the, out about. So Jesus comes to be baptized of him. And John the Baptist says, no, I can't baptize you. He says, yeah, but I, I must be baptized. So John the Baptist says something. Is, Ladies and gentlemen, this is sort of a paraphrase. Ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce to you Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Messiah. Drop the mic, walk off the stage. That's John the Baptist's goal in life, to introduce Jesus, to introduce Jesus. Now, Jesus' ministry begins to prosper, and he begins having the freedom. There are people healed, people delivered. And, and John, we don't hear a lot about him except one story. He's in the shadows. And John is very bold, and he, he talks to Herod, the, the king, the ruler at that time, and he said, you've married your brother's wife, and she actually is your niece. I mean, we're talking about Jerry Springer on steroids. You ought to read the Bible. It's, it's because it's pretty real. And he said to him, you know what, you're, how you're living is wrong. And so Herod's wife, Herodias, she gets really ticked off. And so John the Baptist is arrested because he told the truth. John the Baptist is arrested because he stood strong for God. Look at this. For Herod 
had sent soldiers to arrest and imprison John as a favor to Herodias. She had been his brother Philip's wife, but Herod had married her. John had been telling Herod, it's against God's law for you to marry your brother's wife. So Herodias bore a grudge against John and wanted him killed. But without Herod's approval, she was powerless. For Herod respected John. Knowing that he was a good and a holy man, he protected him. Herod was greatly disturbed whenever he talked with John, but even so, he liked to listen to John. So catch this story. John the Baptist is arrested and he's put in prison. It's not like prisons of today that have indoor plumbing and all the other things. And, and that's a, it was basically a hole in the ground, a well. And John the Baptist wasn't in there by himself. There would be other prisoners. They didn't really take care of them. There were no facilities. It was a horrible place to be. It was dark and it was dungy. Now, John has been there now almost a year. Almost a year he's been in this prison, in this well. He's probably seen a lot of other prisoners die. But in that time, I wonder if he was thinking maybe, maybe like, you know, if Jesus is the Messiah and, you, and you're given your life to serve him, wouldn't you believe that if you get into prison because you did right, doesn't it seem right that Jesus would come and rescue you from prison? Doesn't that seem fair? I have good news for you today and bad news. God is not always fair, but he is just. Not always fair. I don't, where did we get this thing? Well, it's not fair. It's not fair what I'm going through. It's not fair that I'm, nowhere in the Bible does it say, it says that he's a just God. Because you see, he sees from a vantage point we don't see. But I wonder, I wonder if John must have thought, you know, probably after a month or so, Jesus will get me out of this. Because me being in prison for preaching truth doesn't seem right. Me being in prison, I introduced Jesus. I baptized Jesus. just doesn't seem right that I would be there. I wonder if he started thinking, I, uh, I wonder if I did it wrong. Maybe he's upset because I didn't say the right words. But I believe what we can see is that he had doubts that began to come into his life because in a minute we'll, we'll see that printed out. So let me share with you today, when a doubt comes into your mind, here's what we need to do with doubt. We need to go to Jesus with our doubt. Say that. Go to Jesus with our doubt. Say it again. Go to Jesus with our doubt. In, uh, in Luke chapter 7, uh, beginning in verse 17, there in your notes, also in your screen, it says, and the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. The disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything that he was doing. Hey, Jesus is preaching. Jesus is healing. Man, he's performing miracles. You know, he's raising the dead. Man, it's really awesome. And, and I can just imagine John the Baptist getting excited and thinking, well, anytime he's going to come and get me out of this, and then I'm going to team up with Jesus, and we'll go on these crusades, and I'll get up in front of the group, and I'll say, this is the Lamb of God. This is the Messiah. This is the one. I, I just imagine he was a lot like us, and he had it figured out how God should answer his prayer telling everything Jesus was doing so John called for two of his disciples 
and he sent them 80 miles away where Jesus was, and he said, go ask Jesus, are you the Messiah that we've been expecting, or should we look for someone else? Are you kidding me? John, less than a year ago, you said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here is the Messiah. And you knew that without a shadow of a doubt. But now doubts begin to creep in because his prayer is not answered the way that he thought. Go ask him, are you really the Messiah? Because you see, John the Baptist was like a lot of others at that time that were believers. They believed that the Messiah was going to come. He would immediately overthrow the Roman government. He would establish the kingdom of God. But you see, it wasn't God's way at that time. Remember, this is the lamb that will take away the sins of the world. Instead of now setting up his throne, he'll be the lamb that is sacrificed, pays for your sins and my sins, resurrected later, and his kingdom is yet to come. And we're in the in-between time when doubts come in and we think he's not answering the prayer that I, the way that I think. The worst thing we can do is keep the doubts to ourselves. But I just, I just imagine John is thinking, what I'm going through right now is not consistent with a compassionate God. I mean, I don't think that I don't think that God wants me to be going through this. It's, it's not his will. And so I, I just, I, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. Just like you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, I, I can't believe some of the things I'm going through. And I look around and it seems like everybody else is doing great. And, but I've got this area in my life and now I'm beginning to doubt, am I really a believer? Am, am, am I really the right? Am I sure? Did I do something wrong? Because if I was doing everything right, God would have answered my prayer, but he hasn't. So we take our doubt to God, not to social media or to somebody else. But we take it and say, I, uh, I'm doing my best to believe for this thing. But right now it doesn't seem like it's working. So could you help me? Could you help me? Remember that verse? My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Those are tough words when things are not going the way that we want. When you prayed the prayer and the answer hasn't come. Those are good words that we pat on each other on the back when everything is going good. Hallelujah, hallelujah, brother. Yeah, hallelujah. But some of you today are at the place where things are not going so good. So, second thing, we have to learn to trust Jesus with our doubt. Trust Jesus with our doubt. So the disciples went to Jesus, and uh, look at verse 22. Then they said to Jesus, Jesus, John the Baptist has sent us. And uh, I, I imagine they're looking like for just, just a, a glimmer of hope that John's going to be released. And they say, he wants to know, are you the Messiah? Now, here's one of the things I love about this. Jesus doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't say, how could John? How could John even ask that? He's the one who introduced me. I'm telling you, when you bring your doubts to Jesus, he's not going to set you down and reprimand you and say, how could you have a doubt like that? How could you doubt after all that I've done for you? You know what? He's going to look at the situation where you are, and he's going to try to bring you back to Scripture. And that's exactly what he did with them. Look at seven, chapter 7, verse 22. 
And then Jesus told John's disciples, go back and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and good news is preached to the poor. He said, go tell them that, remember that scripture in the Old Testament? He's putting them back to scripture. Remember Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2? It's the next verse we'll look at. He's saying, do you, do you guys go back and tell John to remember the Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah 61. You see, when I bring my doubts to him, you know where he's going to send me? He's going to send me back to the Word. Not back to feelings, not back to rationale, but back to what does his Word say? And I'm going to stand firm on his Word. How about you? Would you give him a hand and say, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. But look at this verse. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me, look at this, to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim the captives to be released from the prison will be freed. He sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor is come, and with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. So they're sitting and they're listening. Yeah, yeah, that Isaiah 61, that's a great passage. And, they're, and, they're, and Jesus is saying, go tell him uh, that, that, that people are being healed, people are being set free, people are, are being touched, people are doing that, and they're waiting for that phrase. See that phrase here? The prisoners will be freed. And Jesus doesn't say that. He doesn't go back and tell them. He doesn't quote all of the Scripture. He just quotes the part that is applicable to John the Baptist where he is. He doesn't say, go back and tell them this, 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 and the prisoners would be freed because John's not going to be freed. But yet he's in the perfect will of God, and God's not going to set him free. There are things in our life where we don't like where we are, but they're in the perfect will of God, and God points us back to Scripture, and he says, I'm there with you. But I'm, I, I just think that they're sitting there thinking, okay, yeah, like, is, isn't there one more part of that verse? And are you, have you, did you forget it? Should we give you a little reminder of, of the part about being freed from prison. That wasn't God's will. My question to you is, are you really a disciple of Christ or are you just an emotional junkie? As long as he answers the prayer the way you want it, you're ready to do that. But what if you, what you thought was his will is not his will? What's that one thing for you? Well, you know, I've, I, I'm, I'm believing for healing. And man, I'm believing for healing too. Because why? Well, the, the scripture says, the scripture says this. It says that, uh, you know, by his stripes we're made whole. So I'm praying for that. But I know a lot of people that have prayed that and had people pray for them. And they've died. I said, well, how could that be? Well, you see, God brings the ultimate healing. And I'm not copping out on that. And then there are people that say, well, you know, it says that it's not good for a man to be alone. And I, I, need a, I need a husband. I need a wife. And so people begin focusing on that. And then they compromise their life. They compromise their morality because they feel like, well, God's not answering my prayer. So I better hurry and get something or somebody. 
And then there are people that say, well, you know what? God's joined together should not be able to put us under. It's a covenant relationship. God hates divorce. But yet I've got a scar. I've been through divorce. Does that mean something's wrong with me? Does that mean that I didn't pray the right prayer? Look, I'm not up here today as God's defense attorney. He thinks he's God, and he is God. And his ways are not our ways. And so they go back and they tell John the Baptist, who said, well, you know, this is, this is, this is what he said. Point three, if you're taking notes, is this. Let Jesus use your story for his glory. Let Jesus use his, your story for his glory. Now, you remember John the Baptist gets beheaded. Herod's stepdaughter does a seductive dance before him. You can read it in Mark chapter 6. He gets so seduced by that, he says to her, Oh, oh, you steal my heart. No, he didn't really say that, but that's a, Look, the dude says, you name it, up to half my kingdom. That must have been some dance. <laughs> so she runs to her mother and says, Watch, you got to read your Bible. These stories are in the Bible. Runs to her mother and said, what should I ask for? She said, would you get that head of John the Baptist on a silver platter and bring it to me? So here comes the soldiers pulling John the Baptist out of the cistern. Take the sword and behead him. In that verse that we just looked at, notice what Jesus says. Matthew 11 and 11. I tell you the truth, there's no one who's lived stronger or greater than John the Baptist, yet even the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. And Luke 7 and 23, and tell John these words, the blessing of heaven comes upon those who, read it with me, never lose their faith in me no matter what happens. So when John sees them come with the sword. You know what? He's not losing his faith. He's not saying, I've done it wrong. He's just simply saying, it's finished. I'm ready. I'm his. I'm his. See, here's, here's what he's saying. This is, this is point number three. Let Jesus use your story for his glory. The scar. We all have a scar of some sort. And that scar really is a place in our life where we stood firm on the truth of God and we didn't really see the answer then. But yet, you know what? We're still able to raise our hands and say, I'm trusting him. Let me bring that a little more real for you. I'm going to ask Anita to come up and share with me. Would you give her a warm welcome as she comes? Because she's, she's the best part of this team. Yeah. Okay, so these are little baby booties. Well, they're not booties, but they're baby shoes. And we got those <clears throat> right after we got married. And believing for a son, Terry's got two daughters. Um, so when we got married, I, I didn't adopt them, but they became as my own. But uh, my heart was that we would have a son. So we got that in faith, and we named our 
our future baby Josiah, and we talked about it all the time. And um, you know, after you try for a year with no pregnancy, they now say that you are infertile, so that you want to go to infer infertility treatments and everything. So. You know, I was praying and I was believing, and it's kind of a weird thing because every month I would pray for a miracle and I would say, come on, God, you can show off. This will be so amazing. And then when I didn't get pregnant, um, I would mourn something that never was. So that's kind of a weird psychology there. I would be mourning the loss of something that really didn't exist. And it was very difficult. Um, but we would go all over the world, not all over the world, all over the country to different conferences, and I would have people lay hands on me and pray for me and said, it's going to work because I prayed for so-and-so, and she got pregnant, and she got pregnant, and she got pregnant. And I'm like, come on, God. And it didn't work. And so we went to an infertility clinic, and I found out that I had endometriosis and that my tubes were tied. And, and so they went in, and they did some things, and still I didn't get pregnant. And then they said, well, you know, let's just check your husband. For the speed and the amount yeah. of <laughs> sperm that are there. Let's just check. So he's like, I have two kids. So anyway, he, I, I, he did. He went. And, uh, <laughs> and they said, he said, here, come. And this is a room full of people. Hey, come in here. Look in the, in the stethoscope. These dudes are swimming fast, and there's lots of them. <laughs> so he was happy about that. And I was like, well, okay. So then um, we, I got on some kind of hormone thing, and, and he really liked that part because the doctor said, now when you're ovulating, you just you call him up, and you say, come on, let's go. And he was like, okay, no problem. So in the middle of the day, I'd be like, um, hello, can you be home? Yes. Halfway there. <laughs> so he liked that part. Uh, but it still didn't work. It still didn't work. So I was getting frustrated, and I was praying, and I was believing. And, and, you know, to me, women, we're made to have babies. And it wasn't working for me. And I thought, man, I can't be in that club. That's a club I can't get in. Um, my sisters were fertile myrtles. They were having babies all over the place. And they started not wanting to tell me because they felt bad. And I was like, no, I'm happy for you. You having a baby. But it hurt inside, and I kept praying, and I kept believing, and I kept crying out to God. And I remember, you know, saying, God, you're no respecter of persons. What you did for one, you can do for another. You know, um, and then I started saying, Lord, what is it? I don't understand. You know, there's women that throw their babies in the garbage. I want a baby. And it wasn't happening. But I kept believing, and I kept declaring, and we kept praying. And I remember waking up one night. I didn't say this first service, but I woke up one night, and I was crying. I was just crying, and I was like, God, did you forget me? Did you forget me, my heart, my prayers? And I cried, and I got mad, and I, you know, let God know how I felt. And then I kind of got over that, and I realized that as time was going by, the chances were going down, 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 because I, I was 31 when we got married. I'm now trying for, I don't know how long, 15 years or something, and it just wasn't happening. And um, when I tried to figure out why, 
I wanted the answer, why, Lord, why, why, why? You know, my brain, I, I would hear lies of the enemy and say, well, you were just going to be a bad mom. That's why you wow. didn't get pregnant. You were going to, you know, hurt that child. I mean, just crazy lies from the devil, right? Because I want you, you, you desire to have an answer. But I realized as long as I kept trying to find an answer, um, it was hard. It was stressful. It was, it was it was just very, very difficult. So when I finally came to the place of, I don't understand this, I don't like it, maybe I'll ask God one day when I get to heaven, I, I don't agree with it, but his ways are not my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts and he loves me and he cares about me and he knows who I am, so I just can't figure out the, the why. And then people, God bless them, all through the years, they would you know, try to encourage me and say, well, you know, the Bible says, sing, O barren woman, those that can't have children. Yeah, that's the word, but it still hurt. Um, and I do now consider myself the spiritual mama of all of you, and I've got many, 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 many children, but it's not the same right. as having your own baby. So, um, you know, that's my scar. And, and I didn't want that story to be my story, but it is. Um, I have beautiful grandchildren. I have two daughters that I didn't have to birth that I consider my, my girls. Um, you know, but, but this is my, my one thing. Everybody's got a thing, and this is my one thing. But I just want to encourage you girls that are, that are maybe listening, um, and you either might be going through the same thing or, or having some issues. Whatever your thing is, you know, you just have to stop asking why. Uh, because we're never we're never going to know that. I mean, I honestly didn't know in my promiscuous days. I'm not saying I was a saint, but I kept myself from doing a whole lot of more situations with guys because of the fear of getting pregnant. Because I didn't want to get pregnant, not be married, and have an abortion. I said I would never do that, so I'm, I'm going to try not to get pregnant. I never knew that I couldn't get pregnant. You don't know what your situation is. But you know what? I love God. I know he loves me. I know he cares about me. And um, I just try to keep moving on. And unless the story of Elizabeth and uh, Abraham. Abraham comes, uh, I'll be 60 in, in April. I don't think he would. He'll be 70 in, in February. Oh, I, I do want to say we did think about adoption a couple of times because, you know, okay, maybe we could just adopt. Um, but my heart's desire was to give him a son, you know, a, a birth son. Um, that was my heart's desire. So we actually had a couple of opportunities come to pass. We almost got um, one-time twins, of all things. We were working on that um, through um, uh, a home for unwed girls and... And it, we started the process, and then it just fell through. And I, I really knew deep down that it wasn't my desire. Although I think adoption is amazing, that wasn't our heart. That wasn't part of our story. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I, I just wanted to share that with you this morning because no matter what you're going through, you just believe God loves you, trust him, and he's going to bring you through. Amen. Let's give Anita a hand. There's a, there's a couple of fill-ins there that says, 
we try to understand God in the reality of the storm instead of understanding the storm in the reality of God. Some of you, your story is not that you couldn't have a child, but your story is that you've been praying for your one thing. What is that? And it's like a storm for you. And up till just a few minutes ago, up until today, you thought something must be really wrong with you or God would have answered that prayer. You see, doubt is a matter of the mind. But faith is a matter of the will. I choose. The last thing I'd like to say to you today is that you need to embrace your scar because that's your story. Embrace your scar because that's your story. I, I, th I thought about it this way. If the God that I serve has scars in his hands, in his side, in his feet, because, remember he prayed, God, if it's possible, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours. He has scars. That's his story. And now it's those scars that draw us to him. Those areas in your life where you struggled with or struggling with right now, they are your scars. Remember the three Hebrew children? They were there, and Daniel said, O king, be it known to you, you can throw us in the fire. Our God is able to deliver us. But if he doesn't deliver us, guess what? We are not going to bow. Remember that story? Do you remember the story of Job? Everything's going wrong. And he says, though God slay me, yet I'm still going to trust him. Do you remember Hebrews chapter 11, where it talks about all the heroes of the faith? Could I remind you, there were some of those miracles of faith. Listen, let me read it to you. Let me read this fresh to you. How much more do I need to say? I'm reading from Hebrews 11, beginning of verse 32. It would take too long to recount the stories of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephna, David, Samuel, the prophets. By faith, they overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice. They received what God had promised. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back to death. But look at the next verse. Circle these two words. But others. But others were tortured. Refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with a sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world wandering over the deserts and the mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. But all these people earned a good reputation because of their unshakable faith. 
yet none of them received all that God promised. For God had something better in mind for us. Say, well, prayer's not happening the way I want it. It says that all of them were people of faith. Come on, lions, I'll shut your mouth. Wow, we like that part, right? But he said, then there are others that faced the lions and they were destroyed. But all of them were people of faith. What I'm simply saying is, I can't guarantee you that you'll never have a storm, you'll never have a trial, you'll never have a trouble. But I can guarantee you one thing. This God we serve says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. If you want to walk through the desert, I'll walk with you. If you walk through the fire, I'll be with you. But listen, this world is not our home. We're traveling through. So if we bow our heads this morning, I want to pray because I know there, it's not an accident that you're here today. There's some of you that are here and say, man, this, this, I really needed this today because I've got lots of doubts in my mind. I began to even think something was wrong with me. Maybe that I really even wasn't a believer, that God didn't love me like he loved somebody else. But when I read that Hebrews 11, he says, those that came through were great people of faith, but those who didn't come through, they didn't compromise their trust in Jesus. And they also were great. Father, I pray for those that are sitting here today and those that are watching online that there are areas in their life where they've been struggling and trying to believe and the enemy's even made them to believe that you don't care for them. I pray right now, Lord, that you'll give them a fresh word. You'll direct them back to you. We're believing you for healing. We're believing you for restoration. But if we're not healed in this world, we're not going to compromise. We're going to still say, I'm strong in my confidence in the Lord. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed and we're still praying, there's some of you that are here today and you'd say, Terry, you know what? Man, I don't even know Jesus. I'm going through some tough places right now and I know I'm lost and I need a Savior. I need to be found. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you today. There's only one way to get to God, and that's through Jesus Christ who paid the penalty for your sins. He came to this earth, and he said, Lord, if there's any other way, let it pass. But nevertheless, I'm willing to go to the, I'm willing to pay the price for even if it's just one person today. So if it's just one person today, and I don't think there's just one, I think there's more. I would simply say, I need Jesus today. I need him to come into my life. Would you raise your hand right now and make eye contact with me and let me pray with you today. Say, that's me. I need Jesus. Thank you in the back. Thank you. Thank you over here. Thank you. Others today, just lift your hand and say, thank you. Thank you. Others today, just lift your hand and say, that's me. Thank you over here. Thank you back here. Thank you back here. Thank you. Thank you over here. Thank you. Others today, that's me. Maybe some of you watching online, just raise your hand right where you are. Let's, let's pray. We all pray this prayer at one time or another, different ways, but let's pray this prayer together. Father God, thank you today for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins. I repent and I ask you to forgive me. Your word says, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, 
that you raised him from the dead, I can be saved. And so I believe in you today. I trust in you today. In the name of Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Thank you, Lord. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps will be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.